Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. You're listening to the Deal Room Podcast. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on business sales and acquisitions. Get across trends in the area and hear the industry's best recount their real life tips, traps, and experiences. Now, here's your host, Joanna Oki. Hi, this is Joanna Oki, and welcome back to the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, in this episode, we chat with Jonathan Jay on all things acquisitions. Over the past 30 years, Jonathan has acquired and exited businesses in publishing, digital marketing, adult education, preschool education, you name it, he's done it. In fact, he's gone through 70 acquisitions and sales, which is a stunning number. So with Jonathan today, we're chatting through a whole range of things, why a person might acquire, how to find a good business, and Jonathan's top tips for anyone embarking on the acquisition journey. And of course, we also hear about some of his lessons learned along the way. Well, here we go with Jonathan J. Jonathan, welcome onto the podcast. It is fabulous to have you there here on The Deal Room. Well, thank you for having me. Good to good to speak to you. Wonderful. Okay. Now, you have got such an interesting history. Why don't we just like, can you give us the three-second overview of who you are, what your background is, um, and why you love business acquisition so much? Sure. So, I've never actually worked for anyone else. I've never actually had a job. I, I've always done my own thing. I dropped out of university when I was 19 years old. Um, I uh, first sold a business in 1999, so that's 24 years ago. First bought a business in 2006, which is, I think, about 17 years ago. Um, And I bought and sold, heading for 70 uh, different businesses over over the years. Uh, I've had some uh, multi-million pound uh, exits, uh, multi-million pound acquisitions, lots of smaller ones uh, as well. Uh, some work, some don't. Um, that's the name of the game, I guess, uh, when you do that many. Um, and I've had a lot of fun along the way. <laughs> what was your most fun acquisition then? Oh, my most fun. Um, a good question. Uh, well, they're, they're all interesting in different ways. I mean, some are a little bit frustrating. Um, anyone who thinks that you can buy a business with your eyes closed uh, doesn't really understand how it uh, how it works. I mean, it's a, typically a, a roller coaster uh, along the way. Um, and I suppose I suppose the fun uh, or part of the fun comes from uh, getting a great deal and negotiating a really good deal or I suppose at the end of the day, the, the most fun is always going to be when you have that successful exit at the end. Yeah. And I mean, you know, that's an interesting thing, getting a great deal on an acquisition, but then ultimately ending up with a business that you have no passion for, that you hate, that even if your intention for buying it to flip it, <laughs> I can imagine there's probably not a hell of a lot of joy um, in in the acquisitions, and unless you have some connection to the business, is that your mode? To, or, or tell us? No, not really for me. No, it's um, you know I, I I remember as a teenager that I I wanted to be in business, but it didn't really matter to me what type of business it was. So um, I the, the whole business concept is one that I I love, um, but I wouldn't say that I 
really fall in love with any particular type of business uh, because that, that passion piece is really only relevant if you're turning up to the office every day and you're you're managing it but i'm i'm a terrible manager a terrible operator and i'm the last person you want turning up to the office every day now i've done that um but i would never do it again and so your mode then is to buy and then sell quite quickly after acquisition, is it? Or what's your, if you I've, don't I've stay in that. a business managing it, what's, yeah, what, what's the approach? Um, but, but I've also held for, for a number of years. So the approach differs according to the, um, to, to really what the circumstances are. So this is slightly different when, you know, when you're an individual doing this, it's different to a private equity firm that has an investment thesis that says, this is what we're going to do. And we've got five years, the, the length of the fund in order to do it. And therefore we've got to do this in year one, year, this in year two and so forth. You know, you've got a lot more freedom as an individual, which is why business acquisition is, um, uh, is it for many people, the new property investing, the new real estate investing. Uh, and it's a, um, a, a way of gaining um, some freedom, maybe freedom from corporate life, or uh, or growth because if you've got a business that's been doing a million dollars a year for the last three or four years and you're getting frustrated with it and you can't see any way to get it up to five million dollars a year or ten million dollars a year then the fastest most effective way is to buy another business maybe one that's similar to the one that you already own uh, one that's complementary to the one that you already own or maybe part of your supply chain and then you can you can make those big leaps very very quickly um, rather than getting frustrated by organic growth which is running more facebook advertising hiring more salespeople, taking one step forward two steps back every year is going to get better and quite often it doesn't so this gives you that predictable growth and my clients who who are who are buying businesses to grow their existing business all wish they'd done it a decade ago that it's funny that you say that because that does seem to be the traditional comment from people who've bought a business um, to achieve that growth through acquisition as opposed to the organic um, slow growth. You know, so commonly say, I just wish I had have discovered this, you know, all of these years ago when I was spending all of that time on that that organic growth. But What's the, you know, one thing our listeners may not know um, is that you you run a membership. I think it's a membership, a, an academy for um, people who are looking to buy businesses. Is that right? Yeah. So, so I'm based in the UK, but we've got uh, clients all around the world, a growing number in Australia, um, Canada, North America, um, uh, Scandinavia, interestingly, and I'm very popular in the Netherlands. No, no, I don't know how that happened. I'm very, very popular in the Netherlands and, uh, and of course a lot in the UK. And um, we run uh, training programs uh, that can be accessed internationally through the power of uh, the power of video conferencing and Zoom, um, which uh, actually pre pre COVID, everything we did was in the UK and COVID forced us to be a little bit more creative with our our support and our delivery, um, which meant that we could go uh, wide, wider afield. And uh, yeah, so we so we help people, especially with their first acquisition, which is always going to be the toughest. That's the steepest learning curve. So we hold people's hands through that first deal and just make sure 
that they don't make any silly mistakes, which usually are expensive. Silly mistakes in business are expensive mistakes usually. Well, which I'm going to ask you about in a moment because, of course, <laughs> that's also where we see the role of a lawyer to help um, avoid mistakes. But I, I bet you've got a um, a few there if you've um, gone through 70 acquisitions, I think you were telling me at one a point. Acquisitions so, and sales, yeah. Acquisitions and sales. Got it, got it, got it. Um, so of of the people that you deal with who are looking to buy businesses, what would you say the, the split is between um, – People who are looking to, you know, there's that whole buy a job market or get out of get out of a career market. You know, I see a lot of people coming out of, um, uh, you know, have been employed for a long period of time and then suddenly, you, you know, not suddenly, but one day they decide I, I want to take charge of my own destiny and so they, they're either I'll start a business, I'll buy a business, decide to buy a business, which I think is the superior choice out of the two. Maybe we'll talk about that in a moment. But you've got that sort of buyer versus your buyer who has got their own business but is looking at acquisition as a way to grow their existing business. Um, in terms of the people that you deal with, what what is the split between the two? Oh, I, I don't know uh, precisely, but it feels about 50-50. Um, so we have people leaving corporate life uh, who, uh, for, for, I can think of a, a, a very quick example, uh, a, a client of mine in the UK worked for DHL, the, um, uh, the parcel delivery um, service, and uh, he, he left a, a well-paid job there with the intention of buying a business to to swap his salaried income with dividends and he was earning 190,000 pounds a year um, and that was his goal he wanted to make that amount of profit that he could take from the, from the business um, his uh, first acquisition uh, cost him 10 million pounds which i think is about 20 million dollars um, at the current exchange rate and uh, all of it was funded. It, it was none of his none of his own money, and the business now has annual revenues of um, of six million pounds, about twelve million dollars, and is making three million pounds annual profit. Six million six million dollars annual profit. So I think he's swapped his um, uh, his his income quite nicely. Um, and then we've got people who've grown their business by by leaps and bounds. Who you know who got stuck in a bit of a rut. You know, with that five hundred thousand dollar a year business, not quite knowing how to get to the next level, and then they change everything with the very first acquisition. So, so I I see both sides. I see the people leaving corporate life, and I see the people with their uh, with their existing business. Mm. And I, I mean, it's it's a huge move, I guess, for someone to leave um, a world of being an employee and then move into being a business owner. There's a whole heap of risks, but um, also opportunities. What are the top tips that you you think are most important um, for someone who hasn't had experience in business when coming into? Obviously, we've got the whole you know the method of acquisition and how to identify the right target and all of those sorts of things. But then they're in the business and they've got to run it somehow and be aware of you you know I guess the risks of running a business so that they don't lose the asset that they've acquired what are some of the top you know things that you think are important so first of all I'd, I'd never tell anyone to quit their job and and buy a business um you can buy a business evenings and weekends you is buying a business is not a full-time process <laughs> at one point i had seven on the go at the same time 
And I still had hours in my day where I had nothing to do. So buying a business can be done while you're working for someone else. The second thing is you buy a business that's sufficiently large enough to have a second tier management team. So when the owner leaves, which typically they do when they when they sell, not always, but um, mostly they do, then the business continues operating as it were when the owner was there. Um, because the last thing you want to be doing is running the business. You're, you're not looking for a, for another job. And uh, you're absolutely right. Someone with no business experience suddenly running a business, well, the chances of that being successful are probably quite slim. But if you've got, if, you, if you're coming in as an investor rather than a manager or an operator, then life just carries on as usual. And um, now your, your success level increases again if the seller is staying with the business in some sort of role for a period of time. And then your success increases to a whole new level if the future success of the business that's been sold is tied to the amount of money that the seller receives for it. Therefore, they have a vested interest in helping you make sure that it continues to be successful. And finally, the one thing that really makes a difference is buying the right business. And the right business is one that is solid, profitable, established, reliable. You do not want to be buying a business that is stressed or distressed in some way because turnarounds might make you feel like a hero. You know, we took, we bought this business that was on its knees and it was collapsing and failing. And then we made it into this huge success story. Look how clever we are. Well, we've all read those stories, but they actually don't happen very often. Um, you, usually the turnaround fails. Uh, so if you buy an established profitable business with a management team, with the owner tied in for a period of time and having their income, future income linked to the future success of the business, then you're, you're hedging your bets uh, at, at all uh, times. So that makes your level of success uh, go a uh, sky high. Love it. Okay. I want to hear about the lessons learned. I bet there are a few of those along the way. What What do you think are the biggest lessons that you've learned from all of your experiences in buying and selling? Um, oh my goodness. Uh, there, there, are, there are so many. I, I always say to my clients, I've made all the mistakes so that you don't have to. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I've, I've done, I've done them all, uh, sometimes more than once. Uh, that's great when you make a mistake more than, more than once. Um, you go, oh yes, I've done, I've made that mistake already. Uh, so, um, I, I, I guess it's, it, it depends what you want to do. So I've got a number of clients, quite a few actually, a growing number that are, interested in buying multiple businesses and and creating a far larger entity rather than just buying one one company um, and the, the mistakes that people often make that I've also made myself uh, is that you underestimate how much working capital is required for a, a growing business and you start the finance raising process for 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 growth capital way too late because it always takes longer than you think it's going to to take. So raising money for for a growing group early is very important. Um, the second mistake that people make is think they think that they are the most important person in the company as the uh, as the ultimate beneficial owner. Um, they're not. Uh, the uh, CFO, the chief financial officer, is the most important person uh, in the company because without that CFO. 
or finance director, whichever terminology you want to use, um, you uh, can't do several things. You, you can't raise the money because you don't have the management accounts and the forecasts and that robust financial reporting that's required to raise the money. You'll sell your business for less for exactly the same reason. And the last thing you want is to have surprises when you've got a growing business. If you've got a business that's doing tens of millions of dollars of of annual revenue, um, the last thing you want is to suddenly discover that during the summer period or during the Christmas period, you haven't got enough cash, but you've still got the same overheads. So having that tight control of the money is very, very important. Um, and uh, in interestingly, some of my clients, since I've been emphasizing this with them, have gone back to their current finance directors and asked a few questions and uh, on one one notable occasion the finance director just didn't turn up for work the next morning because he discovered that he'd been found out so you know it just because someone has that job title and that cv doesn't necessarily mean they're good at the job um but without that finance director in place that cfo you've got yourself a problem somewhere in the future you just, you just don't know yet that you've got that problem, but you will have. Love it. Okay, wonderful. And so um, what would you say in reflecting on, you know, your deals or maybe the deals of your clients? What is one of the most successful acquisitions you've seen and why? It's, it's not about a, a specific acquisition that's successful. Um, uh, you know, the, the attributes of a successful acquisition are one where um, well, there's there's lots of different attributes. You can't always get them in the same in the same deal. But you know, buying an asset below market value is is always good because you you win on day one. You know, you you don't you don't have to do anything particularly clever, and you've got and you've got yourself a great deal from the from the start. And that comes from finding a sufficiently motivated seller and being able to negotiate and understand how the process and the system works. Um, and therefore, if you can buy you know, a, a million a million dollar asset for half a million dollars, you know, sometimes people say, well, why would anyone sell for less than what it's worth? Well, that's just, you're, you're assuming that the number one motivation for selling is money. Well, if you've got an established profitable business that the owner has had for, let's say, 20 years, they've made their money over that 20, 20 year period and they're now ready for retirement. Maybe ill health is playing a part and it's now just about passing the business over to someone else. Sure, being compensated financially for that, but it's not all about that sort of big payday at the end because they've done well over the years. What I've always found, just as an aside, is that the people who want the crazy valuations for their business are the people with the least valuable businesses because their way of thinking is, I haven't made any money for the last 10 years, therefore I've got to make the money when I sell the business. Rather than, I've done really well over the last 10 years, it's not all about money now, it's about lifestyle, health, retirement, spending time with the grandchildren and, and so forth. So without a, without a doubt, you know, the most successful acquisitions are one where you can win on day one. You, you've effectively, you know, you've got something on day one that's worth more than what you paid for it. Love it. Uh, we have, I, I guess, in, um, in Australia, so the sort of businesses I can hear you talking about as being, you know, those great acquisition targets, the businesses that are profitable, that are run under management, 
actually in Australia are some of the hardest businesses to find as a buyer because they're the most sought after businesses by buyers here in Australia. In Australia, there's, um, you, you know, this glut of businesses on the market that are the opposite. So businesses either that, you know, aren't making profit or businesses that are dependent on the owner. Um, and I know, you know, I've listened to um, some of your material. I know you have some different creative ways of viewing um, viewing various things. But what's your approach to dealing with um, with a market that might have a lack of supply of this sort of type of quality business that that you know is the ideal business to buy, and a massive glut of these other businesses that are you know obviously on the face of them not ideal but haven't got buyers at the moment. Yeah, well, you're, you're I, I believe, approaching this from what is advertised for sale. So you're saying that the, the majority of the business advertised for sale aren't making very much money, they're owner-dependent, they're not the, the best quality businesses. Um, we ignore those completely. We, we don't look at businesses that are being advertised for sale because, number one, the reasons that you said, number two, there are going to be... Uh, several people interested in any one business at any time, which pushes the price up unrealistically. So we we go off market. So we go to businesses that are not advertised for sale. So of course, we don't know whether the owner has thought about selling. I mean, every owner does. I mean, anyone who owns a business thinks about selling, you know, at least once a year. Um, usually they think about selling when they've had a really bad week, bad month, someone's quit on them, this has happened, that's happened, it's that perfect storm, they think, why am I doing this? I've done this for 15 years, I've had enough of this. So they're the sort of people that you want to be talking to. So how do we find them? Well, we don't, we can't read their minds, we don't know what they're thinking. So we have to do some outreach that approaches lots of owners uh, in order for the people who were thinking that particular day, I've had enough of this. Why am I doing this crazy thing? Why I've, I'm too old for this. Um, we want to be talking to to those people. So we completely ignore everything that's that's on the market. As a gen, definitely for a first time buyer, um, yeah, there is certainly something to be said uh, for using business brokers um, uh, later on in the search process. Uh, but as a first time buyer, it's not recommended. Um, wonderful. Well, look, do you have any parting tips for our listeners, Jonathan, um, who may be sitting there thinking, I love this idea of acquisition, don't know if it's for me? Yeah, sure. Um, the, the secret to success is following a system. It's not making it up as you go along and, and, and um, yeah, trying to cobble together uh, information from the internet and trying to make sense of it all. It's about following a process that's tried and trusted, proven to work, that other people have followed, and that that the process drives the acquisition. I, I've never seen anyone be successful just making it up as they go along and and hoping that it's going to work out. Hope is hope is not a great business strategy. Brilliant, love it. How can our listeners find out more, Jonathan, if they want to connect with you or um, listen to more of the content that you have in this uh, area? Uh, sure. So so three ways. Um, I have a podcast, too, called Business Buying Strategies. I think we're up to about 250 
30 minute episodes. So going back five, five years of that, I've got a YouTube channel, Jonathan J on YouTube. Um, got about 200 videos on there, all about business, uh, business buying. The most interesting ones are the ones where, well, in my opinion, the most interesting ones are the ones where I'm interviewing my clients about the deals that they've, that they've done. Um, and people can connect with me on LinkedIn. So, uh, find me on LinkedIn. There's a few people with a similar name. So find somebody who looks like me and, uh, send me a connection request and, um, be happy to answer any questions on LinkedIn. <laughs> Love it. Look, Jonathan, just a huge thank you for coming onto the podcast today. Look, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me, Joanna. Well, that's it for this episode of the Deal Room Podcast. We hope you're now primed for your next deal with these pointers and have enjoyed these fascinating insights. Now, if you'd like more information about this topic, then head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com, where you'll be able to download a transcript of this episode, as well as access any contact details and any other additional information we referred to in today's podcast. Now, if you'd like to get in contact with our guests today and the services they offer, you can go ahead and check out our show notes for a link right through to them and their details. You can also book in directly with our legal legals at Aspect Legal. If you'd like to soundboard your next steps, discuss a legal question, or find out more how we can assist, whether that's with buying or selling a business, or perhaps somewhere in between. Now, don't forget to subscribe to The Deal Room Podcast on your favorite podcast player to get notifications whenever a new episode is out. We'd also love to hear your feedback, so please leave us a review and rating if you're already one of our subscribers, or even if you're listening to this podcast for the very first time. Every review helps our team produce valuable content for you. Well, thanks again for listening in. You've been listening to Joanna Oki and the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. See you next time. Aspect Legal has a number of great services that help businesses prepare for a sale or acquisition to help them prepare in advance and to get transaction ready. We've also got a range of services to help guide businesses through the sale and acquisitions process. We work with clients both big and small and have different types of services depending on size and complexity. We provide a free consultation to discuss your proposed sale or acquisition. So see our show notes on how to book a time to speak with us or head over to our website at aspectlegal.com.au. Ladies and gentlemen, that will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening to the Deal Room Podcast. To find out more about this episode and other episodes in the series, check out the show notes or head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com.au.